2: even at 30,000
0: feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life.
3: No purchase necessary. BGW. Revoid. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, Hockey World. It's Friday, April 21st, 2017. I know
2: that because it's, it's my father's
3: birthday. I'm Michael Ajello.
1: I'm Jan Levine. <laughs> I'm Russ Cohn from Sportsology.
3: And I am Eklund, and you're watching the Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. Friday afternoon edition. We're here. We come in late on Friday because we got so much to talk about. We want. We don't want to be time-constricted too much. We want to go. We want to let you guys get you guys ready for our three incredible nights ahead that we won't be able to talk about until Monday. So we've got three game nights here going on: Friday, Saturday, Sunday games on the afternoons. Um, and, but let's first start, and of course we have Jan here, so we can we want to, I want to start right off the bat with last night's four games, because they were fascinating in so many ways, and I think to start with the Rangers-Canadians right off the bat is a good way to start. I want, my opinion on this, just real quick, is I'm loving this series, because like I said before, to me this is, the great thing about Original Six Series is the teams get pissed off at each other, and there's a lot more, and the fans get it. The fans The fans of these teams get the subtle things that happen throughout the game with both teams. Montreal historically struggled. uh, Montreal historically, sorry, has dominated. The Rangers have struggled against Montreal the last few years, and I think Montreal screwed the pooch by actually trying to get physical with Montreal with with the Rangers. I think that I think that's a bit. I think that's really worked against them. To be honest, but um, Jan, what are your thoughts on the series so far? Here,
1: so it's been obviously as you mentioned, it's been an old school type of series, Um, dirty, um, a lot more, a lot dirtier than I expected. I, I. I actually would like the officials to call things every once in a while rather than letting everything go because I think it's, it's impacted the play. The Rangers have given as good as they've gotten. <clears throat> One of those things that I was concerned about was, which is why they dressed Tanner glasses, to whether or not they could respond physically. Um, Russ and I were kind of talking right before. I mean, you look at the hit that McDonough took yesterday and to harken back to a happy days kind of a, a, a kind of an adage, you know, the Malachi crunch is basically what he took. When he got sandwiched between the two guys and didn't get the con- concussion protocol. But the impressive thing, and doesn't preclude him from having a concussion, his next shift out, if you notice, he knocked Andrew Shaw right on his rear end. So he basically showed that, look, I'm not taking anything. You guys can keep hitting me, but I'm going to respond. He did it later in the game to Brendan Gallagher at the side of the net, knocked him on his rear end and then hit him twice more while he was down. So the impressive thing is they have responded. The, the, the matchup that was going to be key was skill versus grit. Montreal's fourth line, what they did is the deadline we've spoken about. They had a lot more grit. They had a lot more bulk and a lack of scoring. And that's been the problem with that team. They just don't have the horses. As the game went further and further last night, the Rangers' offensive skill finally started to show up. Montreal dominated the first 30 minutes of the game. But after that, the Rangers basically carried the rest of the play, both in the third. Uh, at the end of the second, when Shea scored to tie the game in the third, even though it was even, with Lunkus making that great save on Pacharetti to rob him, and then the overtime, I mean, the shots were 10-3 in the overtime. And while the Rangers got a lucky bounce, they made their own breaks because they were coming over and over and over again. And the interesting part it's going to be, is you know, there, is, there really is no momentum. But if the Rangers can build a little bit off of what you saw in the last 30 minutes of yesterday and get an early lead and get the crowd that was so good in Game 4 back into it, I don't know if Montreal is winning that game on MSG Ice on Saturday.
0: Yeah, It's
1: up in the air. I think it's up in the air. I
0: think... It, it, the Rangers have proved they don't need Tanner Glass. I think that was like a false thing at the beginning of the series. We talked about it. It's They don't need to try and match toughness. They need to skate around them and tire them out, and they did. Montreal definitely tired out. The Rangers' fourth line really has been great. Jesper Fast, a lot of people for whatever reason have sort of pigeonholed him. Of course, he's a fourth liner, but again, the the Rangers run four four lines as skill lines. They don't run a grit line, and... When Fast played overseas, he was a total skill guy. When he came over to Hartford, he was a great power play guy. He was their best, actually. But he took a role with the Rangers, and now he's scoring important goals, and people act like they're shocked. He's a really good player. What's actually interesting here is Julian, by shortening his bench and Mm -hmm. getting rid of his fourth line, is actually hurting his team and hurt him in overtime. It definitely tired him out. And that was something that really hadn't happened this series. And Nash has been a beast. Like yeah. he's been great. I mean, he's tired of Markov spearing him and, and slashing him. And but I gotta tell you, even Gallagher took a horrible slash late in that game and it wasn't called like it's just you know, Lindbergh's on the bench bloodied. I called it a slobber knocker this morning. It's it's like Patrick
2: Division hockey, it really is. Well, the, I mean the the overtime was so one sided, I was almost I was concerned because obviously you know, I mean, as as a fan, i I've, I've never liked the Habs. Um, I respect them as a as a really good team, but I, I you know, I and I don't like you can blame Claude Julian and Mark Bergerman for the direction that they've that they've gone because they loaded up with not with scoring at the deadline, but with role players with D- Dwight King and Steve Ott. And I I think it takes them down the wrong road. They were trying you know, Russ, you said they, they, they basically engineered that team to intimidate the Rangers. Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and the Rangers, the Rangers learned after maybe after Game Three that you can't fight fire with fire. You right. put Butch, Butch nevich in the lineup. You use your speed advantage, and in the third period, and in, especially in overtime, the Rangers were skating circles around them, and only Carey Price kept them in the kept them in the game or kept the game tied. If they do that on, on Saturday, I, I think they'll blow out the blow out the Canadians. But the Canadians can respond. But the Canadians need Patcharetti. And and Radulov to score. If they don't score, they're not winning because there's not a lot of scoring there.
1: Yeah, let me let me couple on a couple of points. So, first of all, on Pat I mean, he's been taking a beating in the Montreal press. The guy's got about twenty-five shots in five games. Yeah. So it's not as if he's not playing at a high level. He reminds me a lot of the New York fan base when it comes to Rick Nash the last couple mm-hmm. of years. Nash did everything but score the last couple of years. This now all of a sudden he's got 14 points his last 14 games, been an absolute beast, a monster. You look at the goal by Brady Shea and I wrote it in my blog today. One of the things, things that Steve Alaket pointed out is Carey Price down low doesn't use his paddle or his stick to kind of block the puck; he uses pads, which enabled it to be almost a pass off the pads that right. Brady Shea converted. But Nash, but VC made the play, controlling the puck on the boards, dishing it. Nash made another power move to the net, so that was kind of interesting to watch. But Pacharidi's been a beast. I mean, he and Rajalov have really played, in my opinion, both played very well, regardless of McDonough and Girardi being on the ice against him. He just hasn't scored. But to kind of blame him is kind of short-sighted because, no offense, there's a lot of other guys on Montreal that really haven't done a darn thing, especially defensively. You look at Markov. Markov has been toasted a couple of times. Yesterday, the big thing was Emelin coming back to the lineup, and he got beaten with speed wide a couple of times. And there's a lot of guys in the Rangers that haven't yet really had big series. But if Kreider and Zibanejad can build off the goal from last night, that really solidifies their lineup. And Rangers getting the last shift, look for them to try to limit Holden. And stalls shifts against the top line for Montreal to avoid having those guys on the ice because it was Snow Angel Central yesterday. A couple of times with both of them on the ice.
0: Yeah, I just had one small thing. I mean, look, Chris Kreider continually is missing the net. It's it's a little disturbing. the The interesting thing was how they got lucky and his shot banked off right to Zibanejad and he was right place, right time, and it went in. I was happy for Zibanejad because he had been playing well, but. Derek Stepan has been dead. Yeah. I mean, dead. They need something out of him. I know right now things look great, but if things tighten up at the garden, you know, Pryder and Stepan are gonna have to step up.
2: Well Markov Markov missed a significant part of the third period it may, you know, maybe the the cross checks and the response from Nash are taking its uh, taking its toll on a 38 year old but the, the, this is this is the thing i think is the most impressive the rangers have the have the habs on the brink of elimination and jt miller Kreider, and Stepan really have not shown up. And if you would have told me that that was going to happen, I would have said Montreal was going to win the series. So right now, if they can show up in game six, they can put away the Canadians. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, it's really funny to me, like the, from the outside looking in a little
3: bit, about how the, the Zabinijad and um, Prasad trade is still weighing heavily on everybody's mind. Like It is. It's funny how you know you know they were talking last night like Zavinejov has made a note of saying if Brestard's playing well I've got to play well. This is like it's these are two players that did not want to be traded. They both like where they were, um, and both have these strong vendettas now against the team that traded them to prove that they made the mistake. It's it's really it, it, but it's gone on a lot longer than that usually goes on. Like usually you'll hear that talked about for a couple months or whatever. But uh, you know what it's just like. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, but
2: uh, we we know the reason that deal was done. Act the reason that deal was done was because because Ottawa is thinking about dollars and cents every time they make any kind of transaction. Yeah. And yep. Broussard, Broussard played for Boucher, uh, I think it was in junior, right, Russ? Yep. Yep. And and Boucher's contract was front loaded, and Zabinajad's an RFA next year. So yep. as usual with with uh, with the, with the Sens, it's always the money.
1: Yeah, but but Broussard also had a playoff playoff pedigree. He's sure. a guy that gave him a little bit more of a leadership. I mean, again, if you notice the first four games, everybody was talking about big game brass not being there and how Zabinajad hadn't produced. Now all of a sudden, zabinajad scores last night, and the whole rhetoric and the whole story kind of changes. So, well, you know what yeah. it was, though, Jan. I mean, Broussard was never great on faceoffs.
0: He didn't play nope. big. He's not a small guy, but he didn't play big. Zabinajad is a much bigger, stronger player, and they do need that down the middle when you have a guy like Stepan who's pretending to be a first-line
1: center. Right. And, Hayes has, and Kevin Hayes hasn't produced yet either. Really, Hayes had a been better between, between the, you know, in the faceoff dot yesterday. But he, you see, as you talked about, there is a whole host of Rangers that haven't produced yet, yeah. which bodes well if they do win in advance to the next round. She's got to figure sooner or later, some of these guys are going to wake up. And if that happens, all of a sudden you really start rolling four lines and scoring. But I'd like to see those people who said that uh, Jimmy VC was not that good. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd like,
2: like to see do. them too. Yeah. No, I mean, well, the I.
1: asked Nashville you, and Buffalo guys.
2: Yeah. No,
3: there were a lot. I mean, it, you know, obviously VC's been phenomenal way better. You were right dead on about that, Rust. you know, when when we talking about last year, you know, I don't give you a the only reason
0: I could be so confident about him is I watched him all four years and yeah. watched him develop. That's the only reason.
3: Yeah, no, it's obvious. You're totally right. Um, they've been, they've been really, I mean, he's, he brings everything that they need and he's a tough, he feels like, a you know, he feels like a Ranger player through and through too to me. Like he really feels like, He belongs on that team. And I didn't see it at the time. You know, I remember, like, when he signed with the Rangers, like, ah, I don't see him as a Ranger. You know, I never saw it because maybe we were just talking so much about him in other situations. But, you know, I was really um, shocked. Uh, Moving on to Pittsburgh-Columbus. So much to get through here. Um, You know, this this is a game, you know, that uh, I just kind of – I'm sorry. Yeah, Pittsburgh-Columbus, right? That's. yeah, yeah cool. like, like I have my notes. I've got three different things going on here. So sorry. Okay, so Pittsburgh, Columbus, Columbus, fifty-one shots on goal last night. Just like completely to thirty, fifty-one to thirty-two. Mark Andre Fleury plays a hell of a game. I mean, Columbus just He's good plays, for a backup goalie. I got to give him pretty good for a backup. <laughs> Comes in and, and just and you know again and Bobrovsky, you know, really doesn't. You know, I mean, honestly, just doesn't play. Like, we talked know, about that. Yeah, it's. It's tough, and you see them And you really have to say the Columbus did everything they could do. They, they did everything that they should do to win that game. They outworked the Penguins in Pittsburgh in an elimination game, which is hard to do. Um, at the end of the day, they just couldn't they, – they didn't have enough – this is the one thing about them. They don't have enough skilled players, like sniper-type players, to actually be really good goalies. So that's, that's like that's something – I know that's been my like mantra lately, but I've really seen that more and more. It seemed like that a Crosby power play
1: goal – just yeah. killed them, like get wow. the flavor it. Well, I mean, again, and also that, that, the goal that was taken away was ridiculous. I mean, Wilson basically pitchforked Wenberg into yeah. Flurry, who was outside the crease. That yeah. changed yeah. the entire tone of the whole game, right there.
3: Oh, I know. It's I know. I completely agree with you, um, and it, it changed everything. And you know, and then basically, you know, Nashville. If you compare that with the Nashville um, Chicago one that you know was way less than that that they called. You know, it's just kind of ridiculous. I think that. I mean it was Pittsburgh's on their way until until someone beats them. You know, they're gonna have a I think, you know, either you know, whoever comes out, Toronto or Washington, is gonna have a really tough time with that. I
0: think Brian Russ scored another goal. I'm not a fantasy expert. Oh, he had two goals. He yeah, had just another two. Mike could have picked them up
1: for five bucks, but whatever. This, yeah. is a, yeah. this is a running
2: this is a running joke here, Jan. Well, I mean,
1: but, but the other thing but also is you talk about skilled players. I mean, yeah. Columbus was missing their best skilled player in Werensky being out. I wrote when I wrote my yeah. playoff review. If Wierdski yeah. was healthy, he would be a major difference maker. Oh, yeah, lacking him from the blue line really altered that entire team's offensive ability. Yeah,
2: and and they were without Felino last night. So fifty getting fifty one yeah. shots, I mean, let, let's just say this. I and mean, Foligno Columbus, put him a player short, right? Because he was out there in warm-ups. I, I believe so. Col- Columbus Columbus had a great year. Um, I, I, you know, I picked them to win this series because I thought, I thought Pittsburgh coming into the playoffs with a bunch of players who were just coming off the injured list was going to hurt them. They didn't play like they were injured, so they, they move on. But I'll, I'll tell you, the, the skill is coming with, with Columbus. You're going to probably have Dubois next year. You're going to yeah. have another year of uh, another year of maturity in Wenberg and Bjorkstrand. Yeah. And yeah. 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 It's coming. It's plus, coming. It's
1: plus, plus, coming also.
2: Plus, plus they, have, they have cap space. And they, yeah. this was a successful year. They should go out in the market and, and, and get some scoring. They may have to sign Sam Gagne to a big deal if they want to keep him. But I think th- there is upward mobility with the with the Blue Jackets. But,
0: but here was my favorite part of the series. My favorite part of the series is post-game. We knew Tortorello was going to have a rosy outlook, but he did show the old Torts for a minute when someone asked him about the series and Torts said, this wasn't a 4-1 series. We, what were you watching? And I'm thinking – John, it was a 4-1 series. It may have seemed like it was closer to you, but at the end of the day, it was a 4-1 series. It's just funny how that's he he got that, mad at that. That's the optimistic torts. That's the positive
3: torts that we're seeing. Yeah, that actually is the positive torts, which is pretty funny. That would be yeah. the middle to negative of any other coach in the league, but that is the positive torts. Um, yeah, I agree. And it was a 4-1 series, and anyone who – you know, i watched the Penguins play over the last couple of years, knew that this was from the from the first game. You know, like, I thought I thought it would go seven. I thought the Blue Jackets would put a battle in two, but I thought I still thought the Penguins would take it. And, and you know, and you really saw the fact that this is the youngest team in the NHL. This is a team that's younger than Toronto. And they had they, they're you know, they, just because they had a great record of the fourth or fifth best record in the NHL doesn't mean that they're still not younger than Toronto and that they're still not the youngest team in there in the entire league. You know, there are teams, I mean, they're younger than the Arizona Coyotes. I mean, it's like there's crazy things. This is the youngest team in the NHL. So basically, they had to go through this, and they learned a lot. Um, it's tough for Blue have- Jackets fans because Blue Jackets fans have never gotten out of the first round, and it's frustrating because they, they've never seen any success in the playoffs at all. I mean, the Blue Jackets have can never I, won a playoff series.
2: Can I, can I just ask one question and just to get the reaction of everybody here with, the, with expansion? And I don't know whether Corpo Salo is, is exempt or not. I, I don't think he is. I don't think so. I don't think if so. He's not, if he's not exempt, wouldn't you expose – I don't think Vegas is going to take Bobrovsky with two years left at over $7 million. Wouldn't you expose Bobrovsky and protect Corpus because he's a good young goaltender? Uh, yeah,
1: I mean, again, you got to figure out who else they take. I and mean, you got to figure that Pittsburgh is going to expose Flurry.
3: Does he have a no-movement clause,
2: though?
1: Corpus uh, Allo?
2: I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so.
3: That would be the key right if they had to hold him, hold him on to him but right.
1: Um, be an all right it'd be a full if it's a full no trade or full no movement right that would be the key but i I don't I don't uh, yeah, okay. I'm not sure if I exposed Bobrovsky. I mean again he was Bobrovsky did not have a good series There's a big component as to why they lost this series so that's one of the concerns I would have moving forward is if, is if he regresses yeah. all the games that, that Columbus made it's going to go right out the window
2: forget, forget it Bobrovsky has a no move he would not he would never waive yeah. it so forget that yeah, I mean, I, it was just it was such a thought. I mean, they because could that,
3: trade him. They could trade, you know. I mean, that, the contract's probably not. I mean, Bobrovsky had a great year at times, so it's it's yeah. hard. To, I mean, it's just, the Penguins though have always had Bobrovsky's number. This goes back to the Flyers' days too. So it's the, the Penguins know, and he's he's one of those goalies that if you wait him out, he will go down. You will have the top part of the net, and that's what the Penguins the Penguins did. They're patient and they're smart, and they, they did that. So it was a good series. Let's move on quickly because we got other series to talk about. I want to, and I really want to spend some, a little bit of time on this Predators thing because. I mean this is an incredible a really incredible turn of events I mean no one really and no one in their right mind you know and no one who picked the predators and I don't think there were many that picked the predators to start with would have ever picked them in four games um and would have ever seen them win like in in a way that was it was more than a sweep to me it was like it was as if there was never any doubt in a way in games three and four that they i mean the, the, yes yeah, in the game four. The, the Blackhawks didn't have anything left. It was really strange for, for a team that should – I mean, they're only playing their fourth game of the playoffs, and the team looked has been through the playoff ring. They had nothing left, and this game was not that close to me. Like, they were, they were arguing that this was close. It didn't feel close last night at all.
1: Well, I, I would think game three is where they shot that load. You have a 2 nothing lead going into the third period yeah. with a shot to cut it to 2-1. You blow the 2 nothing lead. You end up losing it overtime. Once that happened – I mean, again, they could talk all they want about winning yeah. four straight. I just think psychologically they were spent after that loss and they never recovered from, from the result of it. And Crawford did not have a good series. I had said beforehand that we may be seeing the final kind of chapter yeah. in Corey Crawford's you know history as a, as a Black, because I think they're going to re-sign Darling and kind of try to move on to Crawford. He was not good at all last night. And the whole team overall was, is built on Taves and Kane and Panarin and the guys like that. And they themselves didn't have particularly good series either.
2: Well, the thing is, I, I, I don't know whether – I mean, they may very well move on from Crawford but and take it – but Darling is not a number one goaltender. I mean, I think he's a good goaltender in limited in limited games, but I don't think he can play 60 games and carry them through a playoff. So if, they, if they're if they going to move Crawford, they're probably going to have to go out and find somebody else to at least be a 1B or a 1A to, to – darling's 1b but the, they but the might he, give darling a shot they might Yeah, I mean they might but but the reason they lost this series is because they scored three goals in four yeah, games
3: good three goals oh, yeah. and Jonathan Taves scored his first goal in the series with five minutes left in the fourth game you know like that's that's I mean Taves when you saw that goal it was Taves from Taves from Kane and um and Keith the last goal I think it was and you looked on the screen and it you know it next to it had the Taves one from Kane one and Keith, and you look at Keith. One, so Kane and Keith didn't have an assist before that goal. Taves didn't have a. You know, that's crazy. That's like the first goal of the playoffs. That that's what you would see. You know, with Chicago, that would be the first goal in the first period. Kane won. You know, like it, 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 that. All of those were getting their first assists and or goals. Those three players.
2: That's you know, I mean, that 's insane you can give Pekka Rene credit up to a certain point, and you know he deserves it because he played great in the series, but at a certain point, then it, the focus goes back to Chicago, and the fact that you know the guys that they 've expected them to perform and that have performed in the past did not for the second straight playoff year. They lose to St. Louis in seven games last year. And maybe playing Richard Ponick on the number one line with, uh, with Taves and Hosa doesn't work. They, you know, we, were, we have to go back to the days where you know it was Brandon Sod on that line. It was Patrick Sharp on that line. And maybe they have to go, I don't know if going back to Patrick Sharp as a 33 or 34-year-old is the answer, you know, maybe some of the young guys that they have in the organization move up. Maybe a guy like Alex DeBrincat is uh, going to be on the team next year, Russ.
0: Yeah, he might be, and it might be a good idea to do it. I, you know, even when Tave scored the goal, that team was dead. And that, and, yeah, you're right, Russ, and I thought it's so,
3: such a good point because when I watch that, I'm I'm thinking to myself, okay, he just scored a goal. Now they're down three to one, and they've got five minutes to go. The Blackhawks, right? The black this is the Blackhawks, right? This this, yeah. this this is very this could be something now. Like you would think. And there was no spark out of that. Nothing. That they got nothing out of that, that there was suddenly no, you know, rallying. That team, they looked exhausted to me. They looked as if the Predators completely wore them down. I mean, the Predators were rolling four lines. The Hawks were rolling three. And you usually see that maybe in in game six or seven. But for game four... That it really felt as if the predators just completely took them into the ground and frustrated the living daylights out of them. And well, I,
2: you I,
0: know, and here's another an, another fact too. I was on another show and I said there were two another lines. Another show, Sorry, we Yeah, that. yeah. I was on another show last night. Yep, yep. Fine. I'm you know. Yep. Yep. Sorry, it's not you. It's me. No, um,
3: it's definitely not me. <laughs> but
0: anyhow, on this other show, the host was. I said it was a two line team and he said, well I, you know Marion Hosa is still a hall of famer and playing great and they moved him up to the top line except he doesn't have any points he didn't yeah. have any points in this
3: series and he didn't look great at all like and he he looked he he he's become a he's become a you know a solid two- way player but not he's not Marion hosa like he's still good both defensively and offensively but he's not gonna score 40 goals. You know, it's just not 30 goals even. It's just right. How many goals do you have this year? I didn't even have 30 out there.
0: Twenty, I just looked it up. He had twenty-six. Right. So forty-five points.
3: Which is great. But yeah, this team, the Blackhawks, I honestly think, and this is you're gonna laugh at this, the the if you were to, to draw the point at which the Blackhawks demise began, you know, they every year they would win a Stanley Cup and then they would, they, oh, they're losing all these players to free agency and they're but then you know, they come, they're still fine. Right. Um, this year It feels as if like the Andrew Shaw moment to me, like the moment they and I and I hate to give Andrew Shaw credit, but they missed Andrew Shaw in this series. Yeah, I think that's fair. They really did. This was a series where, you know, Andrew Shaw, like that's the that was a there was a yet another salary cap choice they had to make. Right. And they did it again. And it finally has caught up to them. They they can't just lose players all the time you know, and, and still be good. And that doesn't give enough credit to the predators though, who played almost a perfect series. So,
1: so the question becomes now is, is can they recover? Because they're still going to be in quote unquote cap hell yeah. given the contract that both Paves and Kane have.
3: Yeah, no, they are. And, 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 they, and they have a lot. If they can recover, it'll be because, I mean, they do have a lot of good young players too. And this is a, they really, they've got guys
2: on that team who panic played well. They have another guy who's the, the another rookie at 19 goals. Right. So, Right, and that's what, and that's where Crawford comes in because Crawford's making six million dollars. But the question is, you know, do you have to clear out like Marcus Kruger at three million, or, uh, or you know, how long is host? You know, has got another four years at over five million dollars. That's a tough one. Yeah, I mean, you know, defensively, you know, do you do you move out the who's an integral part of their defense, but he may he's making four million dollars and he doesn't score a lot. So do you, you know, do you maybe move on from him to open up space to bring in more scoring? I mean, that's what Stan Bowman. Now, and by the way, there are some ridiculous rumors out there that Stan Bowman's job is in trouble. I mean, my goodness, after it's after, not in trouble. Come on, come on. I mean, just it's it's totally obscene.
3: Won three Stanley Cups. I mean, that's, that's, yeah, come on! I mean, it's, it's not going anywhere. So, I mean, that they just they have it's finally caught up to them. That's what it feels like to me. And it, and
0: yeah, now they have to, they're going to have to seriously look at this. And you know what? And to be honest, you might have to ask Marion Hosa hey, can you waive your no trade and see if he would get taken in the expansion draft? Because at the end of the day, they do have to start turning over this roster continually. And now the guys from this year. We'll have some playoff experience for next year. They may have to clear some space so they can get a free agent too, a real free agent. But they do
3: have guys like DeBrin coming. They do have, like they have, they do have they some do. talent. So. And they have good guys. I mean,
0: it's just a matter of – Crawford didn't help him. The It was either the first or second goal. That was a bleeder he let up. And Crawford does that sometimes. And I think when the players see that, they know that we're getting not the right Crawford. They're getting the other guy.
3: Yeah, and the first goal when you're down 3 nothing in, in, in a series in, in that game four is so huge. Like the fact that it was it 0-0 was for such a long time, I kept saying to myself, man, this feels like a 2 nothing Chicago win. You know, this feels like yeah. at some point the Hawks will get the one goal, they'll clamp it down, they'll get the empty netter, it'll be 2 nothing, and they'll go back to Chicago for game five.
1: Well, um, gotta got to give, give Rene some credit. I mean, this oh, couple yeah. years, oh, he's been great credit. in the regular season, and it's two straight years where he's beaten the favorite in the first round. Yeah, huh?
3: that's, that's great. Yeah, that's true. And, and you know, and the, the other thing about this is just kind of funny, and I'll move on, is the fact that we had all these talks about, you know, the battle to avoid Chicago in the first round. And, you know, well, it was Nashville and Calgary going down the stretch here, and, you know, Calgary won that battle, and Calgary Calgary landed Anaheim, and Nashville, you know, lost that battle mm-hmm. and got Chicago.
2: Calgary didn't win any battle by playing Anaheim. They wanted to avoid. I think they would have taken Chicago over Anaheim. They they, they didn't say that, you know. Well, so they're, I, they're lying then. Who sang the anthem?
3: Oh, no, um, it, wasn't. it was it wasn't Carrie Underwood. It wasn't Carrie Underwood? So I that was really surprising. And it wasn't Charlie Daniels, huh? No, right. nope, nope, nope. nope. Um, all right, so we'll get into the Islanders news in a second too. But let's also talk about the um, Oilers and Sharks game. This was yeah the game that killed us all because we were so freaking exhausted having to stay up to watch this game. I, it was a great game and so exciting. But my God, I was I was really having a tough time in the in this game.
2: Yeah, I I hate Oscar Cloughbaum for keeping me up. Yeah. Uh, but 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 you know the, 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 honestly, San Jose looked like an old team last night because as you know, they they get up three one, and I think they tried to do what Washington has been trying to do against against a more a younger more energetic Toronto team. They tried to tried to sit back, and um, ineffectively because Edmonton climbed back in the game. And I, I again I say it, you cannot do that anymore in this league especially with, with a yeah. team with speed. And Edmonton, you know, they came back, tied the, tied that game. And, you know, of course, David DeHarnay is the one who scores the goal in overtime. Well, know, pretty- we said Thanks. that. We, we said it. We've been saying it for,
0: like, the last two or three games, you can't hold on to a lead. They try and do it. They literally have Cam Talbot
1: on the ropes. He yeah. looked terrible for a yes. while. And they let him off the hook. I know. Well, yeah. I, think, I think you said it best. I mean, personally, they played they played not to lose rather than to win. Right. They went into a shell, which is what the Rangers did in one of the games in game two as well. And all they kept doing was dumping the puck lightly on net and getting a face-off and then kicking it back out and sending it back in. They had no sustained attack at all the last 20, 25 minutes of that game, Correct. which allowed Edmonton to come back. I don't think it had anything to do with youth. I think they just went into a shell and played it, and basically they got burned for being in that shell and give Edmonton credit. They easily could have gotten done. I think it helped that they were at home. And had the home crowd behind to try to get them into it. I think that played a huge part of it. And honestly, coming into the series, I have the Oilers beating the Sharks. I actually have the Oilers going to the Western Conference Finals in my prediction.
2: Possible. Well, I, I had San Jose winning it in seven. And I think it's, I think the series is going to go seven now. And I think right now that Randy Carlisle and Bob Murray and Anaheim are rubbing their hands together with glee. Because they want these teams to beat each other for, uh, up for another couple games. Yeah. Now that brings up this point: Are they are
3: the Oilers or Sharks? Now that we've seen Anaheim, I mean, does Anaheim get the respect now of, of the pundits and say, okay, Anaheim's going to win that series, whoever they play?
2: No, I mean, An- I mean, Anaheim won the Pacific. They won it barely, but right. they won the Pacific. I, I mean, I think that there there will, there will be people who give Edmonton a puncher's chance because they have McDavid, and because if they if they get by San Jose, they beat the team that came out of the Western Conference last year. I, I mean, Anaheim-San Jose will be a titanic struggle, but I think I think Anaheim will be favored, but I think Edmonton will be given a chance to, to win that series because they have offense and they have they, you know they have a lot of speed and a lot of skill. How about if, Nashville? Does Nashville Gibson, get the credit?
1: If Gibson plays like he did last series, I don't think it's going to matter who they face, but I'm not sold on Vatman and Lindholm being the guys they were a year or two ago. They actually were better in the first round, but each of them struggled this year, and without Fowler, that takes a huge part of their blue line away, so – yeah, but I think I give either team. I think I give either team a better, a good shot. I think I give Edmonton maybe a slightly better shot, just because they don't have the wear and tear on them that San Jose does after going to the finals last year. I'm not say, counting anybody dead right. yet, so I'm not even going
2: there. Right, but they say they say Fowler is could be back by early in the second round, uh, Jan. So I mean, if that, if that's the case, I mean he had a fantastic season, and if he is back, that, that I mean they've been impressive enough as it is. If they get him back, they'll even be more.
1: Sharks ain't dead yet. No,
2: I'm, I'm, not, I'm not counting them well. out. I'm, I'm. Sticking but, I don't,
1: but I don't necessarily think there's a carryover from round to round either. I think each each round is its own entity, and you kind of have to, to a certain extent, wipe away what you saw in the previous round and I just know. basically basically say, what do you think is going to happen in this round without any carryover.
2: Yeah, the only thing I'm the only thing I'm considering is wear and tear. There weren't any major serious injuries with the with the with the Ducks and their young defense. You know, guys like Montour and Theodore stepped up and played very well against Calgary. So I don't think the concerns. I mean, Vatten was. Yeah, I think
0: they'll continue to play well, Mike. I don't think there's going to be a problem there.
2: Right.
3: Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Now, how about the Predators? Are they going to get any 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 extra bonus in this thing? Like, you know, now they're going to face a team that I think most people would have. They're going to get seen. a rest. That's for sure. You're going to get the rest, but you know against St. Louis or Minnesota, you know both those teams. I actually, the Predators historically play better against St. Louis than they do Minnesota.
2: I think Nashville will get more. Will get the credit if they get by the winner of St. Louis, Minnesota. If they because they won a round last year and then lost in the second round, and you know they great they got by by the first round, but that's a team that has been built in a certain way. They made the Subban deal to go in a change of direction. I think for them to get the plaudits and the credit of, you know, the hockey writers and the hockey fans everywhere. They got to at least get to the conference. I,
1: I think though, the differences with Minnesota and St. Louis, I can, you can argue that each one of them are deeper offensively than Chicago is yes. They can roll more lines, which makes yep. it a bit tougher on the four D men that Nashville has rather than Chicago, which is really top heavy. Yeah. I'm not willing to
0: give it to Nashville just yet.
3: Yeah. It'd right. be interesting to see how people go. So let's move on to, uh, first of all, a little bit of news, then we're going to get to tonight's games. Um, so, Newsday reporting that Bettman has confirmed that the Islanders plan to submit a bid to build a new arena at Belmont Racetrack. This goes along with other rumors surfacing last night about Peter Luco possibly returning returning to the Northeast. Basically, he's the Philadelphia, uh, former Philadelphia Flyers president, um, and now you know now currently with the Florida Panthers. Um, but Peter Luco's specialty is arenas. Um, you know, he, he's a hockey guy, but he also running the LA forum in, in Los Angeles and you know that was a big and he ran that to a really big success came on and was hired by Snyder to run the spectrum and that was an enormous success with him you know the spectrum was one of the busiest buildings in the country um, and so th- it makes complete and other sense for the Islanders to do this to bring in you know not only a good hockey person who can help out you know maybe bring in a new new GM with him as well but also <laughs> A guy who can run a new building, which is not an easy thing to do. Like to manage a new building is not is, is not easy. So I, I think that this this is something I understand should be a little optimistic about. I'll let Jan
1: go first. Go. Let, let me let me here's the quote. I actually have the newsday column up in front of me since I am on Long Island. So here's the exact quote from Bettman. Yes, there is an RFP request exactly. for proposal for Belmont, and I know they're going to participate in that Bell- Bettman set of the islanders. I believe that everyone thinks there is a terrific opportunity there, if not at Willett's Point, which is by City Field, to create a more hockey-friendly environment for the Islanders, which is something Scott Malkin is committed to. Yeah. So basically, while he's saying they're all going to do an RFP for Belmont, he's also not ruling out by City Field right. as well. Right. See, here's the thing. The Willet's Point is better because the actual,
0: the actual train is closer to where the arena will be you will have to probably walk three or four blocks from the Elmont one, right, Jan? And that's like yeah. and that's like Newark then. Yep. The minute you make people walk like three or four blocks, after commuting, it does make you think that some people are going to be lazy and not show up. I know it sounds very trivial. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. I mean, there's a reason. I mean, it, it's hard to get to the Islanders
3: games. It is. It, it's hard to – yeah, the, the and this This is a test
0: historic test. problem. That's why I think Willets <laughs> makes more sense because you would literally get right off of there and actually it would be easier to get to for their arena than it would be City Field. It would be quicker off the subway. Willets Belmont, and, right? Will Belmont. City Field is so Willets is Belmont. Willits,
3: no, no, Willits Willits City City is right City, City.
1: City Field. They've gotten rid of all the chop shops next to City yeah. Field now, which created the open land there and the Long Island yes. Railroad. And the seven train from Manhattan both stop at the same location, which is right there outside the stadium. Yeah, right, so he, he he, he, bike
3: he, is in Queens, correct? And right about that, yeah, it's in Flushing. Yep. yep. Okay, yeah, it's Flushing, which is where the uh, the my, I've been there mainly for the Maker Fair. I and mean, it's right? a big That's railroad like, yard, like
0: like Elmont's a little crappy station. This is a big area where all the trains are, so and, it's a big you, difference.
2: You can't underestimate, like in Toronto, where Union Station is right underneath or right next to. The Air yep. Canada Center and and Penn Station with MSG, how mm-hmm. how you know how how much of an effect that that would have? I mean, oh yeah, no, you
3: can't, and you also can't. You can't underestimate how horrible it is to drive in Long Island. Like of right. all the places like that, you can drive. I mean, that is the worst. The Long Island Expressway. You know, you can literally you know age a year in an afternoon there. That is the that is the place where you will absolutely. So having having, I mean, part of the, I I'll admit that I've not gone to Islanders games that I wanted to go to because of that just thinking about well, you and, know, and here's it. another
0: edge and Jane could back me up because I don't take the subway a lot, but from Manhattan to get to City Field it's a half hour subway. I don't know from Manhattan to to the Elmond station how long that takes, Jane, but it probably is a bigger hassle going on Long Island
1: Railroad if you yeah, could there's, avoid there's it. There's really not much direct there. You'd probably have to transfer. I mean. Okay. If you take the 7 train, the 7 train's about 30 minutes. If you take the railroad, the Long Island Rail, which is a bit more expensive, it's a 14-minute ride from Penn Station to City Field.
3: Okay. Okay. Where are most Islanders fans living? Like, if you were just, I mean, they're not in Manhattan. so they're,
1: they're, Honestly, it's all over the place. I mean, they, a lot of them are in Suffolk because the Islanders had their practice facility out in Suffolk. Right. So they're still there. So a lot of fans came from there, but there is a bunch of them that are on Nassau County. Uh, so... Right. I, think it's, I think it's somewhat equally distributed in terms of where the fan base is. I just know I'm talking to a lot of my friends that are out here, some of them who are season ticket holders. The commute is really a royal pain, and, it, and, it's, and it's something that's kind of diminished the, the lack of yeah. interest in terms of people going out there and following them. One, one right I this to highlight from the column um, that's added in it says, sources have said that the Islanders have been talking with the owners of the Mets about teaming up on the development. The Islanders are being advised by the Oakview Group, a sports arena development company backed by Madison Square Garden. Yeah.
0: yeah here's, um, and here's the thing. And this is what I've talked about before. The Mayor Bloomberg gave the ponds that land. They've been slowly clear, clearing it this whole time. And that's, I still think that's going to be the spot. I still think yeah. it's going to happen over the Belmont spot. I, I think over the Dolan deal. And and not because it's the Ponds. I don't care who's the owner. I just think it's a better location, and I think the Islanders fans really deserve to get, like, the right situation this time. Because even Nassau Coliseum was never right. I, when I lived on the island, my dad would have to drop me off. He wouldn't even go into where the Coliseum was to park. He would dump me off because it was just a cluster. you, you running run run. along an expressway and say, get the hell out of the car? No, no, Hempstead Turnpike. Hempstead
2: Turnpike. <laughs> Uh, just to shift here for, for, to something we talked about yesterday just to touch on it because uh, Terry Pagula, the Sabres owner, had a uh, press conference this morning, uh, completely said that you know the, the Jack Eichel uh, thing that we've talked about had nothing to do with the dismissal of, t- of Tim Murray and, and Dan Bilesma. Um, our buddy Mark Spector from Sportsnet is reporting that the, the Sabres did interview uh, Dean Lombardi, but that's been refuted by a couple of other people. So there's a lot of names being popped. Uh, being actually, Terry refuted it. Well, but but they're they're saying it may have happened since. I know. Well, I'm just saying. Well, I know. I mean, but but you don't, I mean, don't know who to believe. you don't know who to believe here is what we're saying. He,
0: he basically uh, said it was it was like preposterous. He said it was false information. Right. That's what he said
2: about about Eichel, not about Lombardi. No, no, about Lombardi. He about Lombardi. Yeah. Oh, okay. He well, he asked him I mean, about Lombardi and he shot it down. Well, I mean, okay. In in a situation like this, I mean, honestly, I know, you I almost know. expect somebody to lie. You know, like like I, like I, you know, like I, I I honestly would not believe them making denials. I mean, I'm not questioning his word, but you know, honestly, when they're we asked, learn much from it. That's the thing. We right, right. Them. But uh, I mean, there there have been a few other names mentioned other than the ones we mentioned yesterday. Norm McIver, who's an assistant GM with Chicago. And the one that I found rather humorous, and I'm sure most people in Vancouver would find humorous, Mike Gillis, the former Canucks general manager. If if the Sabres go down that road, I have all the sympathy in the
1: world for Sabres fans. Uh, I'll, because, I'll give you another name. There's been some whispers on some of my blogs and some of the stuff I've seen that there could be some interest in Chris Drury, who obviously yeah. doesn't have a ton of experience, but but worked under Jeff Gordon this year. Yeah. Got a lot of props in terms of the work he did. It was a big reason why Jimmy Vc signed with the Rangers and, there's been a little bit of concern from some people that they could lose Drury to Bufflin. I think it's a bit early for him yeah. to be a GM, but he clearly has the history with that franchise.
2: The only way that they bring in Drury, Jan, is if they have a team president. They make somebody a team president who's been a general manager who could right. yep. show him the ropes. They're not going to stick Drury in, in, a, in a
1: situation where he's the only guy. And, and, on, and on the Eichel piece, did you actually expect Pagula to ever say yes? No, no. Because Jack Eichel didn't want him? Of course not. He'd be foolish to do so because it makes him look bad. But more importantly, it makes your star player look really bad and potentially paves the way for him to leave down the road. Here's the part that I'm worried about.
0: Aside from being a little evasive and repeating himself, and that's fine. It's yeah. his right. It's his team. He never said who is helping him in this search besides his wife. And I don't know if he has enough advisors there to
2: well, help him with that. Well Russ the funny the funny thing was in in the press conference he said I, all, I now regret not having enough input in the decision to hire Murray, right. and Vilsma, which means it's, it's all going to be on him and Kim Pagula to make the decision. So his, and I know that the Ken Campbell from the hockey news wrote and a couple, there's been a couple other uh, uh, articles and columns from like Mike Harrington and a few other people who said, this is the time where the Pagulas should find a team president and step back. And right. he's getting even more involved in hockey right. operations. So that to me, that's not a. To and me, he, that's totally, he, he slammed the door shut on Pat Lafontaine.
0: Like they asked him if if there was any regrets, and he said tersely, "No." Yeah, this is where they should hire Dudley as president. This is my. Yeah, theory. that could help him. I mean, it I, definitely
3: could Dudley president. He doesn't want to be. He's a scout, of course. But he's but you know he is going to find Dudley knows hockey people inside. Oh sure, he's
0: yeah.
3: finding the right people. He knows that you shouldn't be hired. All this talk about hiring a player to be a. To, a but you know, recent player to be a GM is ridiculous in my mind. It's just, yeah. it's a bad idea. And look what's happening. It look what's happening with in Boston. Okay, there that's not that's not working well. I, I just it's a hard it's a hard job. It's not it's not it has nothing to do with playing in the NHL. You know, it's, it really doesn't. There's absolutely nothing. It's a job where you need smart people who can manage a lot of aspects to it. And you can turn pathologist, but you can't you can't expect you know no. Chris Murray to do this. It's just.
2: Eck, nothing is off the table in the NHL anymore. When you hire a twenty, was he twenty eight years old? Like John Shyka, who had no experience, everything is on the table. Yeah, but Shyka so- at least is like I mean, you know, not not the rip on hockey
3: players, but a lot of them didn't graduate from college. A lot of them yeah. didn't. You know, there's a lot there. Like I mean, you know, like you know, we talked about Zito the other day, right? And mm-hmm. you know. That just ringing him up out you know, he's a Yale guy. Like, he's got a master's degree. He went to Yale, got a master's degree. He's – that – if I'm a – you know, you need to have people like that around, that who, who know hockey but also have a lot – and I'm not saying Drury's not an intelligent guy, but just you don't want emotional reactions, which is what you see with, in my
0: opinion, in in Boston right now. Well, here's the thing, too. when he When he said that the Bills – they basically set up the press conference saying that the Bills were off-limits – Pagula was at Bill's minicamp yesterday. And so, like, of course they're going to ask him about the Bills when he showed up at minicamp.
2: Right, and Pagula, and Pagula is is involved in the interviewing of the quarterbacks that they're bringing in. So he's, he's involved in day to day operations for the for the Bills, and he's more of a Saber fan than he was a Bills fan. So he's involved. Yeah. In, he will be involved in the day to day operations of the Sabers. And honestly, I think that could scare away somebody like. And I know you know I'm just saying a, a guy with the gravitas of a Dean Lombardi that would scare a guy like Dean Lombardi away from a job like. Buffalo because he's going to be worrying about uh, the owner usurping his power.
0: Hey, listen, Mike Milbury's out there, and Milbury can not only run the hockey team, he could run the Bandits too, just like he did for the Islanders.
3: Yeah. I also heard Brian, that went well. <laughs> I heard Brian Lawton's name. Yeah. Brian Lawton
0: would
3: be um, fine. I mean,
0: that's that's a good one. Yeah.
2: yeah. Well, former agent, former first yeah. overall pick, former general manager. I mean, there's there's a breadth of experience there, and yeah. you know, I mean, as a player and as a manager, and you know, so I mean, that would make a would just, sense. for Sabres
0: fans. I would hate to see Terry Pagula hire this GM without having like a real team to help him hire this GM. <laughs> yeah, that's that's my worry.
3: That's what I'm with you too, and I mean, like you know, like what the Islanders are going to do with Luco. Oh. Proposedly, they need to do that. They need to do that with somebody. And that's why I bring up Dudley because they well, have a guy in the organization already who is the kind of guy you need.
2: To the do second, that. the second best scenario, Russ would be, would basically be Pagula hiring the president and then letting the president do yes. what he needs to do. If right. he, if he's continuing to be involved in, I'm going to hire the president, I'm going to hire the general manager, I'm going to hire the coach. Right. Then I think it's a bad situation. And here's the, and here's the part that doesn't work out in sports. And I, and I
0: listen, I respect everything Terry Pagula stands for. He does a good job with business. He's a good guy. They actually they cleaned up the, um, the food situation in Buffalo and gave healthy food to the media. They do a lot of good things. But here's the thing. He said something where even in business, and, and Jan would know this, too, from being in business and act, too, that we're going to do this quickly and efficiently. Nothing ever happens quickly and efficiently with
2: coaching searches in sports. Never. It's not, it's not quickly, it's not efficiently, it's doing it right. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, a, a, a number of articles have come up in the last couple days since the, since the firings that the thing that had the biggest effect on the Sabres was the success of the Toronto Maple Leafs sure. and the fact that the Maple Leafs turned around their team, tanked efficiently, got Austin Matthews, and now are in the playoffs after 18 months, and it took four years and the Sabres are still out of the playoffs.
3: I'm, I'm going to make a T-shirt, Toronto Maple Leafs. We tank efficiently.
0: Well, that's the thing, because Terry Pagula would not say that they tanked.
3: <laughs> yes. I know. I know. But, in just a, a yeah. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on to the Toronto Maple Leafs. then, And let's talk about the games. So actually, we'll start with Boston-Ottawa. Um, so we got Boston-Ottawa. This is – it doesn't seem possible to me that Ottawa going to win this series in five games. But it's it is. You know, it's obviously possible. It just feels like Boston's got more to it more to them still. Like, I, I would expect, you know, Tuka to, to come up with a big, I, I think like, you know, very similar to what I said about the Rangers in game four, I really felt like, you know, that they were going to win that game. I really think that I. this feels very strong to me tonight that Boston's going to take this one back and we're going to have a game six. But I think
0: the chowder's seeping out of the bread bowl. I do. I, I think. <laughs> 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 wow. Nice. nice analogy there. I do though, because I don't think they have an answer for Eric Carlson. And I think at the end of the day, that is their biggest problem. And now that Bobby Ryan is ignited, they don't have an answer for Bobby Ryan either, because unless they're top pairings out there, who's covering Bobby Ryan? Who's covering Eric Carlson? Zdeno Chara has already played too many minutes in my estimation. Yes. And I think it's it's hurting them. It is. But their
3: main thing is they gotta score, you know, they really have to right. score. I mean, they—they're they, and they're, they've lost. They lost the last two games, two to one and one to nothing. So, and right. and in similar in similar fashion, in Ottawa the sugar has fallen off the beaver tail. Um, you know, <laughs> food reference. For, wow! You know, wow!
2: In Ottawa, can, that was that was, was a, a stretch. There. That was a stretch.
1: How so, would you know what a beaver tail is?
2: I know what a I beaver do. tail is. Yes.
1: In Ottawa, that's, <laughs> that's the thing, man. On the other side, you got to figure sooner or later, Marchant and Pasternak are going to wake up this series and provide something. Right now, they've done absolutely nothing, and every game has been a one-goal game. So, soon, you know, if they start to wake up, all of a sudden these one-goal losses kind of become one-goal wins, and I don't think Ottawa's beaten – I mean, I'd be surprised if Ottawa beats them in five. I I had Boston winning the series in seven.
0: We've all underestimated Ottawa all year on this show, though. Except for Eck, we really had – that's the way it's been.
2: Hell, I picked Ottawa to finish dead last in the NHL. That's how that's how stupid I am. But 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 I mean, looking at the, the thing again, Carlson came into the playoffs hobbled, and he has looked nothing like being hobbled at all. He's right. been at at top-flight speed and and has been creative as always. But the thing is, this is not on Tuukka Rask. This is on the fact that the Bruins are without Tory Crew. so the power play, which is, you know, has historically been pretty decent in recent years with him as the quarterback, uh, you know, they're that cut into their offense. And really, they've shut down Bergeron, they've shut down Marchand, and they've shut down Pasternak. I mean, it's sort of like Chicago. They're a two-line offensive team.
1: Yeah, I agree with yeah. that. Uh, that's been I – mean, losing Krug has been huge. I mean, McAvoy is doing the best he can to fill in, being put yeah. in a really difficult spot in terms of his first action. But not having Krug, as you said, is he's, he's, he's the guy that triggers everything. That's a huge component. And then when you take him out and, you know, Pasternak and Marshawn both have really not done much of anything, no surprise if they're down 3-1 going into tonight's game. And to be honest, I mean,
0: I'm a big Mac Grizzlick fan. I would throw him in there because – he has a lot of offensive ability. I know that he gives up size, but I don't think size is the issue with Ottawa playing against Ottawa. It's it's controlling the puck and actually creating offense, and they're keeping a guy on the bench who hasn't really broken into the NHL yet, who can create offense. But
3: you know, yeah, they're going to have to really deal with it. And um, so, but Beaver Tail is the is equivalent to a funnel cake, or in Boston they would call it like fried dough. That mm-hmm. um, you have, you know you'd have in like Boston Commons fried dough like just that, in New know, York it's zeppole delicious thing. but we yeah. get it it's funny how that there's a different name for that everywhere but um all right so moving on to um to the game of the night probably I uh, definitely the game 5 Washington Toronto and you know just down the road here a little bit 3 hours south mm-hmm. of me so I'm really you know I really tempted to hop in the car and go to this one because I think this is going to be fantastic a fantastic game um and whether what capital team we're going to see how will that crowd crowd deal with the fact that you know if again like they've seen in the first two games in Washington the Maple Leafs get a lead um, if they get a lead tonight um, how does everyone deal with it? I this is such an this is such an intriguing series what and- kind of noise
0: maker are they going to hand out for
2: this game uh, yeah right, right, right. no yeah no more cowbell please. Uh, yeah North. well I mean I mean honestly you're, you're right on in terms of the beginning of the game will be key because obviously the series is tied 2 two and the Leafs you know Babcock could not stress enough that, you know, after Game Three, they give up two goals. They needed to get off to a good start, and they got off to a worse start in Game Four. Now, that might be a symptom of the fact that Washington's a more experienced, deeper team with you know four four lines of diversified offense and a good defense. I mean, it, it may be that cream is rising to the top, but the, the Leafs have were able to come back in Game Three, but they really have to get off to starts like they did. In game one, and then the then the then the, then the problem is holding on to that lead, which they've been having a tough time doing throughout the year. They're going to need, and you know, I don't think Freddie Anderson has played bad in the playoffs. I don't, not at all. I, and I think he took too much of the blame for the loss in game one. But right. I think the lead, for the Leafs to win, he's going to have to stand on his head uh, and 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 steal the game away. And we'll see. But I, I mean, it, the Leafs. Are, I picked the Capitals to win the series. So I you know, I think they're they've proven a lot of people wrong, but they're still a you know, a very porous defensive team, but a really gifted offensive team.
1: I mean, I I, I was not shocked it was two one actually in my playoff preview when I wrote it. I actually predicted Toronto to be up two one. Washington oh. has all the pressure in the world on them. In my yes. opinion, look, I have I have Washington winning the series. I'm not surprised Toronto given the offensive talent that squad has that they are able to score goals. I don't think Washington's D, as you said, Mike, has looked good at all. But the thing is, if, and I still use the term if, not when, Washington gets past this series, I think the load lightens from them tremendously. I think you get past that first round, you kind of settle into a groove, you no longer have the pressure of, oh, my God, you're going to lose to Toronto, who hasn't made the playoffs in several years. How could that happen? But Toronto's taking advantage of it. they, they, they didn't, I watched the game the other night. Toronto impressed me. They kept coming, and they kept coming, and they kept coming. It was very easy to, to say, you know what? We're up 2-1. It'll be tied 2-2. We'll settle in for game five. We'll conserve our energy. They kept pushing, and Washington bent and almost broke. And another game would have lasted another two minutes. Toronto might have tied that game because, you know what? Washington was clearly on their heels. I think they'll yeah. get a much better effort from Washington tonight. At home, I think they'll, they'll come out with the fan base behind him a little bit, yeah. eased into the fact, okay, we've gotten past the difficult stage. We won game four. Now you'll see a much better effort from Washington tonight. But Barry, uh, Go ahead, Go ahead. I was going to say, I gonna say I, uh,
0: you know, I think the cherry blossoms cherry are blooming, blossoms. and I think fans should be and still still be in a good mood for, for Washington. But yeah. the one thing for me is I like the way Nate Schmidt played, and I don't know if Osner's going to be back or not. If He's he scared. were back, He's he scared. is, I would sit Brooks Orpik. He was beyond awful. He was slow. He can't skate with his team. This the
3: but
2: job. but, but, he, but he, has been, he has been rather physical, and he has laid some big hits.
0: Yeah,
3: but
2: that penalty right, right before
0: the, um, yeah. the period end was a killer to put them down on a five-on-three. And that's out of frustration. Even though yeah. he has laid some hits, he can't catch these kids. Schmidt no. played much better than he did. And actually, he actually made a few great plays on catching up on guys that had gotten – through the zone. And so I, you know what? I think they do need to get a little more fleet of foot for this series. And I think they should sit Brooks orpic but all that said, they just need to actually play a full 60 and yeah. keep their foot on the gas pedal.
2: And Ru- that, and Russ, that that's the thing that is so puzzling after, after, Looking at what they did in Game Three, they're up three to one. They sat back in a defensive shell, hoping that hoping that they could carry a two goal lead through the third, you know, the remainder of the second period, and then through the third, they they lost that lead before the end of the second, and then uh, you know Toronto, I thought, dominated going through to the overtime. They did the same thing in Game Four. They They're up four to one. Toronto gets a goal in the second, gets a goal in the third. They almost score on that five on three. They sat back and only you know because Oshie oh, scored that that counter that 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 bad goal right after Matthews' goal. I mean, Barry Trotz has got to learn. You cannot sit back against this team. You have to keep carrying the offense and keep carrying the physicality on the Leafs. Otherwise, they are going to gut you like a fish. What? Yep. I
3: really think that they're worried about the Leafs counterattack game. Um, talking to some people down there, that that's why this has happened twice. That they feel as if they're going to, if they keep attacking, you know, the Leafs are a very good counterattack team right now. That's what they're doing, and that's you know, that's what the Penguins do really well, right? So, and that that's why I don't agree with you, Jan, on that this that this is that this is, is going to be a relief for the for them to get through this because I think that they're gonna, if they feel that way at all, they're gonna get smoked by the Penguins in four games.
0: Yeah. The I, I have think everything
3: one, that this team has, um, but you know, but way more experience and way more defense than, than Toronto, and way better goaltending. So I,
2: I actually think one thing, Nick. I think that I think the Capitals will be the underdog against the Penguins. The Penguins are the Stanley Cup champions. I don't I think,
3: think right. too, based on how they played in the series. I think that that will change it. You know, people will look at them like, okay, you know, this is this is a team that can't necessarily play against. Uh, fast teams, and that the, the Caps talked about it all year. They weren't They weren't shy about the fact that they weren't fast enough last year to beat the Penguins, and they're not fast enough right now to play with the Maple Leafs. That's, the issue is that they have enough scoring, and the Maple Leafs are weak enough defensively that they can win these games, but they're not fast enough to play with them um, throughout the game, and you see moments when the Leafs just are all over them, and, and it's completely... And that's how they can counterpunch them. Right, and that, yeah, and that's what they're doing. So I think that, you know... This is a, This does not set up very well for the Capitals, even if they win this game. I, think, I, I think,
1: think they're going to thing, win
0: this game, though. I do.
1: I think the one thing that surprised me also is is how bad Alexander Ovechkin has looked. I mean, he he did not have a particularly good regular season. I don't think he's looked really good this this series at all. There's been a lot of guys around him who've played much better than he has, which is something to kind of watch the remainder of this series. And if they do make it to the next round, what do you get out of Ovechkin? Because – he needs to produce for them to be able to win. I believe yeah, I mean, he looks great when he scores a goal, and most of the rest of the
0: game he doesn't look great. I and, agree. And that, gets, people get over the fact that like, I'm so sick of
3: right. all the pundits and everybody sitting there saying, oh, you know, Ovechkin has just gotten so much better defensively. That's what's going on with him. No, he's he's really no, – I mean, No, that's not it. He is, he, maybe he's not so incredibly irresponsible defensively. But at the end of the day, he's not like a, hes still not a sulky candidate. I mean, he's not out there. He's doing his, hes doing what he's—he's he's not making complete errors. But at the same time, you don't care about that. And you know, I know Trotz wanted him to be more responsible defensively, but Trotz definitely did not want him to go this far in the other direction. I don't—I don't think this one has anything to do with the other. I think it's a completely ridiculous excuse that they always say, "Oh, he's better defensively now, so that's why he's not scoring goals." No, that's not—that's not it.
2: Well, the, the, one one final thing. I mean, Ovechkin's had three goals in the series, but but he is pretty much after the goals has not been much of a factor. Um, now, I think I think he played around fifteen minutes on in Game Three, and there was a big hubbub uh, in the in the Washington media about him not playing enough. And Barry Trotz said you know, yes. he was going to make more of a more of an effort to play him more. He played sixteen minutes in Game Four. Oh. Whoop de frickin' do!
1: There was a lot of yeah. shorthanded opportunities also in that game, so he wasn't on the ice, especially right. with the five on three. So. And they got up
3: 4-1, to one, you know, and, and, and uh, that's fine. But, you know, at the same time, yeah, I, I agree. He's got to be playing 23 minutes. And he, no, yeah. but
0: here's the thing, though. When people always ask me and they have these arguments and they think Ovechkin's better than Crosby and they wonder why Crosby's better, it's because Crosby is out there on the penalty kill and yes. does still pose a threat, and Ovechkin has to be sad at that time, and that does matter.
3: Right, and Ovechkin's key key to Ovechkin's game is that he is the best scorer in the NHL. And if he doesn't score, I mean, he is by far. I mean, he's got he got to five hundred goals quicker than anybody in ages got to five hundred goals. And the fact of the matter, he's he's got to be if he's not clicking on the power play, you know, and not destroying you on the power play, you're in trouble. Like that's where the Capitals need to have Ovechkin just dominate. That's that's where he's that's what he's all about. You know, and And if you're something that
0: doesn't get sorry, something that doesn't get talked about a lot is and getting Malkin's really good defensively, but we don't even bother mentioning it because it's just Malkin, and he's just great, and we no, don't he's talk the, about
3: him. He's, he's incredible defensively, and you're right. and he, He's totally different. I mean, he's been great in this series and, and in series, you series know, against Columbus and will be great moving forward. He's just a phenomenal player.
2: And so far, so far through four games, the MVP for the Capitals is not Ovechkin. It's not Braden Holpe. It's not Kevin Shattenkirk. It's Tom Wilson.
1: Yeah, he scored yeah. the
2: overtime winner and he scored two goals against Toronto in game 4. Tom Wilson has been the most valuable player for the Canucks. I got to tell you, even the airhorn guy has let me down. I haven't heard him that much. Oh, okay. the, the one the one good thing about Pittsburgh uh, Pittsburgh eliminating Columbus is that we get a brief respite from the trumpet idiot in in the stands in Pittsburgh. <laughs>
3: I, yeah, no, I know that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I I think Backstrom's been bad too. I mean, that's another thing people aren't giving enough giving enough heat to Backstrom in this series. And Backstrom's, uh, I, does, I, you
0: know, he does avoid a lot of
3: them. It's true. I think he's the best player on that team. I've i thought that for a couple of years now that Backstrom's the best player. But on he guys. does
0: have trouble in the playoffs. He's not yeah. a great playoff guy.
3: He hasn't, and you're right. And that that's been an issue. And you can't have that. So when you're looking looking at him, I think he's the one. And because stuff has been really bad, so that's too bad. That's the guy, you know, I mean, maybe we're not saying that if that puck doesn't hit the crossbar in game three or whatever. But I, I still think we're saying it because it's still watching shift after shift after shift of him not giving 100% is frustrating. And it's got to, to – to a coach like Barry Trotz, that's like – that's got to be incredibly
2: frustrating. Yeah. I'm sure Barry Trotz loved the bird celebration. Yeah, right. That's I mean,
0: Barry Trotz needs to get out of this first round for his own reputation. He does.
3: No, he does. No, this is this is a big deal, and you know you, you wonder. I mean, you wonder if he doesn't get out of this round, what happens with that team? Um, and you want and I and I I still wonder. I'm not saying that you know anybody's getting fired in Chicago, but I really do. I really am curious about what the inside story is. What's hap- What's being said by guys like Taves and Kane in the locker room after this? Like you know where they're gonna. Because you know those guys have to be really pissed off about something. Like, there's going to be something that they're going to – they have a reason in their heads. They have a reason that they didn't beat
0: the Well, brother. there are murmurs that Duncan Keith's hurt, and if, it, if that's true, that doesn't help them.
3: No. Um, and, well, Patrick Kane's heading over to play for Team USA um, in the World Championships, which is interesting. That team's going to be very good.
2: But they don't know whether Taves or Keith or any of the other yeah. uh, Canadian that are going to play for Canada. They're not sure yet.
3: Yeah. It's probably – I would guess that Taves will probably go, but – you know, I keep Keith might be hurt, like we said. So that's why I had heard Keith is
0: probably not going to go. But I, Keith is hurt. I think that is an issue.
1: And I'm sure Chicago would rather have these guys rest up now, to, given the wear and tear that's been on their bodies the last six to eight years.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And I and then a lot of people yesterday complaining that the World Cup of Hockey is why the Chicago Blackhawks lost this year, which is insane. insane. <laughs> <laughs> they had, all those players, had so many players playing in the World Cup of Hockey, and I get it. But no, come on now. <laughs>
0: People do look for excuses. They do.
3: Yeah, and that's not, I mean, that's not why you lose in four games in the playoffs. I mean, that's why you want to talk about you look tired in the semi, you know, in the conference finals or something like that, but not the first four games of the playoffs.
0: Yeah, PKC. I I did want to mention, sorry, Mike, I did want to mention before we do the um, draft simulator that I did put up my first version of the top 45 for this draft up on Sportsology so people can check it out.
3: Oh, cool. definitely. Make sure you go to that sportsology.com. Really good. I was
0: rushing and getting it done right before this show, and I made a little error, so I fixed it, and it's all good.
3: Awesome, awesome. Well, here we go. The draft lottery simulator. Um... Yeah. Oh, by the way, I also want to throw this up too. That we actually have a we have a Vegas blogger on the hockeybuzz.com dot com right now. We have a guy's. Sorry, yeah, it's really good, and we have awesome. really, we have the Vegas. You, Vegas is along the top of our screen again on hockeybuzz. You'll see it up there. You know, with their emblem with everybody else. So.
0: Oh, cool. Yep.
3: Here we go. Winner, winner is the Dallas Stars. So Patrick Nolan with uh or Nolan, Nolan Patrick. Patrick. <laughs> Patrick, Nolan Patrick, Nolan Patrick. The guys, the players are so nice they named them twice, right? Here we go. Next up, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Wow. <laughs> right.
0: yeah.
3: That's a them, followed by the Florida Panthers. So everything's coming up south today.
0: Let me just say this: it's obscene. If the lightning get in the top three, yeah, for the amount yeah. of young talent they already have, it yeah. would be obscene. No,
3: I'm with you. That would be something. I mean, if they got man, if they got the first picker. They added him to that. I mean,
2: he sure good. he sure replaces replaces Jonathan Drouin when they trade him.
1: Pretty yeah, because Drouin's clearly on the block right now. Looks like.
2: Yeah, I don't know.
1: That's what that's what the rumor is, but
3: I don't know. If I I'm not completely 100 buying that one yet.
1: Well, well they are okay.
2: gonna have to do something. They will have to, do something. have to do something, but based based on who his representative is, at, and ba- you know, the fact that he's probably not gonna wanna take the bridge deal and probably gonna want a long term deal, that might be that might be coloring Steve Eiserman's uh yeah. outlook in terms <laughs> right. of Well I my mean, it's a lot easier to
3: not deal with not deal with that guy and and, yes. and you know. The agent we will not name, but it's better to not deal with him, and it's better to not deal – yeah, I agree with you. But And Duran has not earned a big contract yet. I mean, he's played well, but – Not yet. He had a good year, though. Yeah. He had a good year, but he still needs to show more than he's shown so far. Yeah. I mean. Anyway, enjoy the games tonight, uh, and enjoy Saturday and Sunday as well. When we get back here on Monday, we'll know a lot more about what's going on, and we might be heading towards the second round pretty shortly after that. So remember, guys, without the buzz, it is just hockey. We will talk to you soon.